If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Abgenommen bedauert. Save both time and money in waxing floors. Use economical, no rubbing arrow wax. Just apply it, and in six to nine minutes, it dries itself to a hard, lustrous finish that saves countless scrubbings. Makes dingy floors shine like new. Yet, arrow wax costs only twenty-five cents a pint. Try arrow wax. A e r o w a x tomorrow. Mr. Keen, tracer of lost persons, is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, would you like to have an attractive, dazzling smile, teeth that sparkle with all their natural brilliance? Then try the new Colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste. Colonos acts like a jewelless polish in removing tarnish from silver, erasing the common surface stains and dingy film that so often robs you of an attractive smile. See the difference it makes in the appearance of your teeth. Try Colonos toothpaste. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S tonight. <laughs> Now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Our story this time opens far from Mr. Keene's comfortable office in New York. On a stormy night in the deep south. A night lashed by wind and rain. A ramshackle old cab makes its way up a back road. Over his shoulder, the old Negro driver talks to his two passengers. Mr. Keene and the latter's assistant, Mike Clancy. 
So y'all want me to drop you off at the Mead place? Yes, driver. That's what I said. Will we soon be there? In hardly a minute, boss. Wouldn't get me to go visiting in there at night. And why not? Most unnatural folks in there. Crazy folks. Saints preserve us. All touched in the head and the heart. Why do you say that? You'll meet them, boss. Here you are, gentlemen. This gate right over here. Hmm. Quite a big place. No walled in. I'll get out and ring the bell for you. Thank you. And I'll wait here till someone comes for the fetcher. But I ain't going inside. Driver, you wouldn't be superstitious, eh? Oh, no, no, sir. Just intelligent. I'm very intelligent about places where not to go. Oh, Mr. King, I, uh... I just remembered something terribly important. What's that, Mike? Well, I got an appointment tonight to go bowling in New York. <laughs> Steady, Mike. There comes somebody now. Oh, it's a great game. Big as a horse. And a woman with him. She's unlocking the gate. Come on, Mike. Let's get out. On your responsibility, sir. Driver, I uh, believe this covers the fare. Thank you, sir. And uh, good luck to you. Good evening. I uh, suppose you're Mr. King. Yes, this is my assistant, Mike Clancy. I'm Dorothy Mead. How do you do? How do you do? Please come in. Sorry you had to make the trip in such weather, Mr. King. Not at all. I'm much more troubled by what you had to say in your letter, Miss Mead. Yes, it's so disturbing about Uncle Adam. Let's walk along the driveway, shall we? We'll get some shelter from the trees. Well, these are water oaks, I believe. Mm -hmm. Twelve altogether in a double row. They're magnificent. Yes, but they've been going to pieces lately. There's the house on up ahead. Oh, yes. That's one of the most beautiful and majestic southern mansions I've ever seen. But decaying, like everything else around here. Oh, be careful with that first step, Mr. King. It's loose. I have it. Just fasten Nero's leash to the post here. Please come inside. And uh, just to hang your coat and hat from those hooks there. Thank you. Oh, it's good to be in out of the rain. Well, if you'll come across the hall now, we'll make ourselves comfortable in the library. Stop where you are. Saints preserve us. Turn around. Get out of this house. It's that man. The top of the stairs. You're not wanted here. Get out. Oh, now stop it, Cousin Roscoe. You're being very rude. I don't like strangers. I hate them. Go on back to your room, dear, and work on your plans. Otherwise, you'll never capture Washington. Oh, yes. Washington. I'll move up reinforcements to the Army of the Potomac. Dorothea, see that I'm not disturbed. Glory be. Poor Roscoe is still fighting the war of the states, Mr. King. So it would seem. Here, let's go into the library. Of course. Now, if you'll just make yourselves comfortable. Well, now, Miss Dorothea, to get a few facts straight, this place belongs to your Uncle Adam? Yes, Mr. King. How old is he? About 80. And he disappeared just ten days ago? That's right. That's why I want you to investigate. Well, now... Who are all the members of the household? Well, I myself, I'm just visiting here. 
Then there are two nephews and another niece. You've just met one of the nephews, my cousin Roscoe. Huh, I'd say. Then there's also Roscoe's sister, Harriet. Both about 50. Yes. Finally, there's my cousin Herbert Mead. About 40. Very charming. He lived for years in India. Oh, did he? Came back last year with wonderful gifts for all of us. I believe he's enormously wealthy. At any rate, that was the entire household except for the servants. Your uncle and two nieces and two nephews. Yes. Now... Tell me about the exact circumstance of his disappearance, Miss Dorothea. Well, after dinner that night, Uncle Adam decided to go for a walk. It was very dark, moonless, but quite mild. He went by himself? No, Nero trotted off with him, Mr. King. Mm-hmm. Who was the last person to see him? Oh, I was. I went out after him to offer him a flashlight. He said... Nonsense, my dear. I don't need it. Oh, but it's so awfully dark, Uncle Adam. I know every pebble around here by its first name. Uh, come along, Nero. Let's go get some air. And that was the last time you saw him, eh? What about Nero? We found Nero here the next morning, tied to a post. Well, we presumed that Uncle Adam had decided not to take him after all. Or disappeared after returning. Did you start a search for him? The very next morning, Mr. King. Well, the police went all over the grounds and no trace of him. Then I decided to write to you. I'm so terribly worried. What could have happened to him, Mr. King? It's much too early to start guessing, my dear. Miss Dorothea, quite frankly, how did your uncle get along with the other members of the household? Well, he was something of a tea. You see it. Oh, hello, Cousin Herbert. Hello, Dorothea. I understand Mr. Keene has arrived. Yes, and this is his assistant, Mr. Clancy. How do you How do? do, you do? do? It's a dreadful business. If there's any way I can help, Mr. Keene... I may want to talk to you later, Mr. Mead. Well, I'll be in my room. Delighted to have met you, Mr. Keene. Seems like a very pleasant sort. Oh, he's a dear. And about the only one that Uncle Adam never picked on... Of course, Uncle Adam's been supporting Roscoe and Harriet for years as permanent guests. But he could never let off reminding Harriet about her age. <laughs> Harriet, my dear niece, sometimes I begin to think you'll never find a husband. Be still, Uncle Adam. I must admit, though, that I met a fellow the other day who's quite smitten with you, Harriet. Oh, oh, really? Did you? Uh, Miss Harriet, he said, this isn't the flashy kind. But for solid, good looks, she can't be beat. Oh, tell me. Who said that? Oh, a fellow in the old man's home. <laughs> I hate you, Uncle Adam. I hate you. That wasn't very kind. But in money matters, he was the very soul of generosity. Here, look, inside the drawer of this table, Mr. King. With bills. It was there for Roscoe and Harriet to use as they wish. Interesting. Boss, there's something very odd about the size of those bills. Yes, this is the old-fashioned currency, Mike. About 50% larger than what's issued nowadays. It's one of my uncle's eccentricities. He's kept a bale of cash in the bank vault for years, and he's still drawing on it. I see. Well, now, Miss Dorothea, beside the servants, was there anybody else around the grounds about the time he disappeared? Well, yes. Uncle Adam had hired three or four men to work on the oaks. That double row we saw as we came in, eh? Yes. And I can get you the names of all the men who worked here. That can wait until morning. Oh, yes, of course. 
Let me show you to your room now. Mr. Keene, your room, Mr. Clancy, is the one down the hall there. Well, thank you, Miss Dorothea. I'll be one to talk a minute with the boss. I'll find it later. Everything's all laid out for you. Good night. Good, Good night. night. Boss, what do you make of it? Nothing yet. Oh, this place gives me the creeps. Oh, relax, Michael. Oh, I get the feeling that eyes are on me all the time. And then that darn rainstorm. Oh, I... I wish she hadn't put us off in this lonely old wing by ourselves. Steady, Mike. Go to sleep. Well, I'll try to anyhow. Good night, boss. Good night. <sighs> Almost 11 o'clock. It's a strange house. And a strange family. I wonder if that storm will clear by morning. Must have a look around the grounds as soon as possible. See... <gasps> Mike Clancy. Somebody's turned off the whole light. One moment, Mike, while I find the whole light. Ah, there you are. Lying in the floor. Wait, Mike, wait. I'll fasten it from your neck. There we are. Oh, preserves. What was it? A silk stocking. Drawn around your neck like a noose. Glory be. Tell me, what happened? I don't know, boss. I, I stepped out into the hall. I started from my own room. Suddenly the light went out and I was being choked. With a silk stocking? Oh, there are no better use for silk stockings in times like these. One second. You notice anything about the color of this? Well, it's... It's, it's dark, sort of. Gunmetal. The same color that... Dorothea Mead was wearing. Oh, boss, I... I told you I should have went bowling tonight in little old New York. Good morning, Mr. Keene. Good morning. You enjoying the view from the porch? Yes, it's beautiful. Thank heavens the storm has cleared. Yes, it gave me the chance to look around the grounds. Oh, did you find anything interesting? Mm-hmm. But on Mr. Clancy's neck, look at this. Oh, a stocking? It looks like one of my own. It was used last night in an attempt to choke Mr. Clancy. Oh, oh dear God. I wonder if you can explain. Well, I, I'm afraid that I can. I, I have several pairs like that. When I went back to my room last night, Roscoe was coming out. Was he? He said he'd been looking for some book. And, oh, I know he has fits of temper, but I hate to believe he actually would try. There he comes now, up the gravel path. Ah, that you, Keen? Just the man I want to see. Good. I want to talk with you. Tell me, Keen, if you were in a situation where your major forces were disposed along the Potomac and Grant was moving along your flank... Now, Mr. Meade. Oh, oh, oh. You think I'm a bit of a fool, don't you? Well, look at these. Dollar bills? A dozen of them. The old-fashioned size. I've been investigating for a week, all on my own. You know where they all turned up? In the bar back in town. The bartender told me. I bought them all up. Know why? Well, why? 
Because they'd all been spent there by Ben Matley. Oh, who's he? He's one of the men working on the grounds when my uncle disappeared. Simple as could be. Matley murdered Uncle Adam. Well, that's very much worth looking into. But what about this stocking, Mr. Mead? Ever see it before? Have you? Of course. On Dorothea's leg. <laughs> One moment, Mr. Mead. I'm afraid I'll have to go after it. Mr. Mead! Stop where you are. Mr. Keene, uh, this is Cousin Harriet. I don't want this man here. Tell him for us to go alone. Cousin Harriet, if we're ever to find Uncle Adam. Why, him, I don't much care if we do. <laughs> seems to be a house of hate with motives on every side. But Mr. Keene continues his search. Meanwhile, thousands of girls who suffer the heartache of being unpopular, clever, pretty, smartly dressed girls have just one thing to blame. Teeth that rob them of charm when they smile. Thousands of men whose livelihood depends on selling themselves to others have the same weakness of appearance to blame. They don't know it or notice it, but the people they contact do. You may or may not be one of those people, but if you have the slightest suspicion that you are, try the new Colonos toothpaste, a high-polishing toothpaste. Its action is like a jeweler's polish removing tarnish from a piece of silver. You'll find Colonos helps remove those dingy, unattractive surface stains from your teeth, brings out all the natural luster and brilliance that adds so much to your smile. Start using the new Colonos tonight. Remember, it's a high-polishing toothpaste. You can get Colonos K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonel Toothpaste at any drugstore. Now back to Mr. Keene, who is knocking on the door of a cottage near the Mead Estate. Good morning. Are you Ben Matley? Sure enough. Keene is my name. Yeah. I heard they was calling you from New York to find old Mr. Adam Mead. Well, Matley, I'm going to ask you a very blunt question. Yeah. How do you come to have so many of those large-sized bills that Mr. Adam Mead always used? Heck, I worked for them for weeks on them trees. You would seem to be spending more than your normal share. Sure. I'm good at poker, and the other boys ain't. Well, tell me, Matt Lee, about the work you did in those water oaks. Now, I gather that it consisted of hollowing out the rotted parts and filling them with cement. Yeah, sure enough. And then, were they finished? Yep. A couple of weeks ago today. Before Mr. Mead disappeared? Mm. The day before. Oh. Uh, sure had big holes in them. Funny the way that rot gets in water oaks. Holes big as a house, Mr. Keene. Hmm. But it never affects black walnut trees that way, does it? Hardly ever. What do you ask me for? Why? For an excellent reason. Mr. Keene. Good, Miss Dorothea. I've worked up quite an appetite with all my walking this morning. Not this way. The others are all waiting. How do you do? Mr. Clancy's sitting here by my side. Will you sit next to Cousin Herbert, Mr. Keene? I'd be delighted. Any progress, Mr. Keene? Progress? Why, I believe... Uh, excuse me. Oh, did you drop something on the floor? <laughs> the pebble in my shoe. I'll have it out in a moment. Ah, there we are. You were saying, Mr. Keene. Negative progress. 
I mean that we can safely eliminate one theory. And what is that? If your uncle has been murdered, Miss Harriet, I don't believe it was for a legacy. Why do you say that, Mr. Keene? Because, Miss Dorothea, he has been made to disappear so completely. I don't follow. Not at all, Mr. Keene. Assuming that he is dead, his will cannot be probated, nor can his estate be distributed for at least five years. You see, there must be proof of death through the finding of the body, or else under the laws of this state, five years must pass until he can be presumed to be legally dead. Well, I didn't know that. Everybody knows that. Be that as it may, Cousin Herbert. Uncle Adam will turn up all right. What makes you so sure, Miss Harriet? A bad penny always turns up. Knocking? It's I, Mr. Keene, Herbert Mead. Oh, come in. Mr. Keene. One moment, I'll switch on the bed lamp. I'm sorry to waken you. It was my first chance to break away from the others. What's the trouble? I don't know whether Dorothy has been completely frank, Mr. Keene. In what regard? When Uncle Adam walked off that night, he wasn't alone. Oh, really? I was looking out of the library window. Down the path, Uncle Adam was joined by... Well, family loyalty is a good thing, but... Come, come, Mr. Mead. The best way is to have it all come out now. Surely we could enter a plea of insanity for him. For Roscoe, you mean? You've seen one of his wages, I believe. Yes. Uncle Adam always was ridiculing poor Roscoe's military campaigns. But the body... Mr. Keene, I know the grounds have already been searched once. But I noticed this morning that... the way Nero was mooning around in back of the house. It's only a stab in the dark, but I... Yes, go on. Tomorrow, by daylight, we'll go there together. All right. First thing in the morning. Good morning, Mr. King. Good morning, Mike. Huh. Something on your mind, boss? Well, Mike, yesterday at lunch I set a trap. And? Tell me about it. There was no pebble in my shoe yesterday. I was examining a trouser cuff. I I don't follow you. Come along, Mike. We have an appointment this morning with Herbert Mead. gone downstairs by now, Mr. Keenson. Maybe. But let's try the door. Okay. Boss. Scott. Oh, look at him there in the bed. Blood all over his face. Quick, let's get to him. Mr. Mead. Herbert. Herbert. Oh, my nasty gash on his forehead, sir. Herbert, can you hear me? Boss. He must be dead. No. He seems to be just barely breathing. Mike, run downstairs. Have somebody phone for a doctor. Okay, boss. Well, what are you doing there, sir? Having a look in the closet, Mike. What for? The killer? No, just his trousers. Well, we certainly 
had a fright, Mr. Keene. What did the doctor say, Miss Dorothea? Nasty cut for Cousin Herbert, but no fracture, fortunately. Does Herbert have any idea who attacked him? Just going back to discuss that with him now. You coming with me, Mr. Keene? As a matter of fact, I'll join you later if you don't mind. I want to have a look in your uncle's tool shed, if I may. Of course, anything. Only we must find out once and for all who's responsible for all these horrors in this house. Oh, poor Herbert. Don't you think you should stay in bed? Don't worry, Dorothy. I'll be all right. And you have no idea who it was? I was deep asleep. Next thing, something came down on my head. I remember the pain and nothing. Well, you could have been killed. I wasn't hit with much force, the doctor said. Dorothea, that makes me start wondering. Perhaps... Oh, no, no. But Harriet is such a strange one, always sulking, always taking Roscoe's part. Oh, Herbert. May I come in? Well, of course, Mr. King. I see you're sitting up, Mr. Mead. And, and you, Mr. King. I'm afraid so, my dears. Afraid? What I mean is, uh, you know that old black walnut tree out there in back? You can just about see the top of it from that window? Yes. Well, what about it? Well, just before your uncle's disappearance, some work was being done on the 12 oaks out in front, wasn't it? They had rotted. This way, so. And that's understandable. But I find also that another tree was treated the same way. Bored out and refilled with cement. That is very strange. Why, Mr. Kitty? Black walnut doesn't usually decay like that. It doesn't ordinarily require that sort of surgery. A few minutes ago, I had that cement filling broken open. Oh, dear God, you mean... Your uncle, Adam Mead, has been lying inside that tree for two weeks. Dead. Oh. Entombed in the black walnut by the person who killed him. Who was that person? The possibilities are numerous. Somebody who was mentally unbalanced, possibly a thief, possibly. You mean... Or else a rather greedy and ruthless man who knew nothing about the laws of inheritance. Who? Who? You, Herbert Mead. What did you say, Mr. Oh, King? Now we've got a third lunatic in the house. But, Keen, don't you realize that I was nearly killed here myself? Nearly killed, yes. You staged that attack yourself and hit yourself just hard enough to bring blood. No worse. Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, when you found me, I was completely unconscious. Correct. The answer is in this night table. See? A box of sleeping powder, half gone. First you gashed yourself, then you took a big dose of the sleeping powders, and then waited for results. Well, you're out of your mind. You see, while you lay there unconscious, I didn't waste too much time in pity. I looked in your closet, examined the cuffs of every pair of trousers you wear. I, I don't understand. In two of them, I found granules of wood, a black walnut scraping. In a third, bits of cement. Oh, now, just a moment. Night after night, while the men working on the oaks left their equipment around, you went out and worked on the black walnut, making a tomb. And then, when it was ready, you went out in the dark after your uncle and strangled him. Nonsense! The same way you attacked my assistant later. You see, you did not understand the laws of legacy, Herbert Mead. When I mentioned it at the table yesterday, you realized you'd made a mistake. You realized the body had to be found. And you gave me hints to guide me. You said Nero had been mooning around in back. Then, my dear fellow, you really gave yourself away. Stand back, King, both of you. Got a pistol. Careful, Into the closet, you two. 
You won't get far, Mead. I've already been in touch with the police. Stop that pistol, Mead. I've got you covered. Thank you, sir. That was well done. I heard every word of it. I arrest you, Herbert Mead, for the murder of your uncle, Adam Mead. time, Mike. You'll soon be getting into Pennsylvania Station. And sure, when I tell me, old lady, just how close she came to losing her precious Michael Clancy. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> but boss, I wonder what on earth you'd ever do if you didn't happen to know about things like black walnut trees and the laws of inheritance. What would I do, Mike? I wouldn't be a detective. <laughs> And so ends the case of the Moonless Night. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us the bizarre and baffling case of the missing witness. To help bring out the gleaming natural brightness of your teeth, remove common surface stains by brushing them with a new colonel, a high-polishing toothpaste. Colonos acts like a jeweler's polish in removing tarnish from silver. It quickly removes surface stains and helps make your teeth and smile look their dazzling, romantic best. Try the new Colonos toothpaste tonight. You have just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8, Eastern Wartime, over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old tracer turns to the case of the missing witness. And now, one closing thought. Many of you listening in have signed the Home Front Pledge, a pledge made by 15 million Americans in the past year to pay no more than top legal prices and accept no ration goods without ration points. If all of us will do these two simple things, we will soon wipe out the black market, cut down the cost of living, and ensure a fair share of food for the wives and families of our fighting men and millions of others living on fixed income. This is Larry Elliott saying good night for the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste and Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. wonderfully inexpensive, easy way to wax wood floors and linoleum to a high, sparkling finish in only six to nine minutes. Use AeroWax, a self-polishing wax that goes on in a jiffy, dries without rubbing to a marvelous high luster, adds beauty to your rooms, saves countless scrubbings, yet costs only 25 cents a pint. Get AeroWax, A-E-R-O-W-A-X, tomorrow. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thousands of women are finding that economical, no-rubbing Aero Wax 
makes dingy old floors shine and sparkle, look like new. Just apply, and in six to nine minutes, it dries to a hard, lustrous wax finish that saves countless scrubbings and polishings. Yet, Aerowax costs only 25 cents a pint at grocery, hardware, drug, and chain stores. Get Aerowax, A-E-R-O-W-A-X, tomorrow. Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction in one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8, Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. First, if your teeth are not every bit as bright and lustrous as they should be, resolve right now to bring out the natural sparkle of your smile with Colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste. You see, the new Colonos acts on your teeth as a jeweler's polish does on tarnished silver, safely, gently removing dingy surface stains, thereby uncovering the full natural sparkle of your smile. Ask your druggist for Colonos. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. Colonos Toothpaste. And now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Tonight he brings us the case of the missing witness, one of the strangest of his career, a case in which murder, three beautiful women, and a fashion show are all strangely mingled. But listen now. As our story opens, a man is seated in a chair. Across his head slants a bar of sunlight. And on his face is a completely incredulous smile. He rises slowly to say, Don't be a fool, my dear. Put it down before you hurt yourself. Can't you hear me? Stop this ridiculous play acting. Put it down, I say. <laughs> you really did it. I didn't think you had it in you. Does you? Now our scene shifts to the quiet office of Mr. Keene, as his spinster secretary, Miss Ellis, enters to ask a favor. Mr. Keene. I wonder if I might get off early this afternoon. You want to do some shopping, Miss Ellis? Oh, no, no. I'm going to a fashion show. Why, Miss Ellis, I didn't know you were interested in fashion shows. Well, are you insinuating that I dress like a bag of potatoes? No. Oh, no. no. As a matter of fact, Mr. Keene, it's something very, very special. You see, when I was living in Queens about 15 years ago, there used to be a little widow next door. Pretty little creature. Oh, such a struggle to make a living for herself and her daughter. I'd give her a bit of sewing every now and then to help, and... <laughs> well, you won't believe me when I tell you her name. Try me. Mary Blaine. 
Today, she's the most brilliant in America. Good heavens, that is... Dress, the dinner suit, the short evening gown. She's enormously famous and wealthy now. Yes, I read a piece about Mrs. Blaine in one of the magazines. Called her the epitome of the successful career woman. Well, she's giving her mid-season fashion show today, and she asked me to come for all lang syne. Brilliant woman. Oh, Mary's a... Look here, Mr. Keene. Don't you come along and meet her. Me? Dozens of men there, and all in love with Beauty Blaine. Oh, Oh, do come. Now you've not... Well, uh... All right, Miss Ellis. General talking to her, right? She is beautiful, all right. Success. How do you mean? There's an expression in her face of strain, anxiety. Maybe. Oh, she's noticed me. Here she comes. Isn't she stunning in that little gray number? Mm. Miss Ellis, I'm so glad you could come. Well, thank you, Mary, dear. And I took the liberty of bringing my boss, Mr. Keene. How do you do, Mr. Keene? Delighted to know you. I've been hearing about you for years from Miss Ellis. How wise you are. And how kind. Now, now, don't give away any secrets. <laughs> but it's very sweet of you to break away from all those generals and things to say hello to just me, Mary. You were my friend when I was nobody. Well, you've always deserved the best friends in the world, Mary. And, uh, oh, look, somebody's waiting to you. Oh, oh, my manager. It's time for the show to begin. I'll have to get up to the microphone there to announce the new models as they come by. I'm so glad to have met you, Mr. King. The pleasure was mine. Yes, she is lovely and famous, but not quite happy. Oh, you with your X-ray eyes. Well, here starts the fashion parade, Mr. Keene. Ladies and gentlemen, my first offering, a long dinner dress with panel of pleated white chiffon tied with a grosgrain ribbon at the back. Isn't that stunning? Yes, even an old bachelor can see that. Uh, especially an old bachelor. <laughs> That's funny. I don't see Eric Plummer here, Miss Keene. Eric Plummer? You mean the portrait painter? Yes, and gay dog number one of New York. Oh, they're good friends, Miss Ellis? He's been infatuated with Mary for some time. You mean he and Mrs. Blaine are going to marry? Well, Mary's a strange one, Mr. Keene. Never quite sure whether men love her for herself or her importance. But it seems that Eric Plummer has finally won her heart. And now a black velour suit with lean, plumb-lined skirt. A double-breasted jacket with high scroll lapel and a scroll hip pocket. Oh, and look, Mr. Keene, over there by the door. Yes, Miss Ellis? That charming little blonde, that's Mary's daughter, Bunny. Quite a young lady. Uh, it's hard to believe that Mary would have a daughter 18 years old. Yes, she's still so young herself. Hmm. Mary won't be too pleased about her coming here. Why? Well, Mary just likes to keep Bunny away from business and career and men of the world. Oh. Mary's learned to value everything old-fashioned. A little white house with chintz curtains. In other words, one of America's greatest career women thinks that a woman's place is really in the home. And a simple home. Miss Ellis. Miss Ellis. And no bunny here. Miss Ellis, how long has the show been going on? About 15 minutes. I must talk to Mother. I must. But dear, she's up there at the microphone. You can see. Something horrible has happened. I must talk to her. But bunny, what do you mean? <laughs> and now with my last offering before the intermission, 
Another short dinner dress. She's coming this way. Oh, now, dear, try to quiet yourself and here, let me introduce you to Mr. King. How do you do, Bunny? Mr. King, you're the famous detective. I am an investigator. Well, maybe you can do something about this horrible thing. What horrible thing, Bunny? Hello, Bunny, dear. Mother. Darling, I I thought you were going skating with your young soldier friend. No, I didn't. Oh, Mother. Mother. Oh, come, Bunny. What's happened? I, I went to Eric Plummer's studio instead half an hour ago. To Eric's studio? Why? He asked me to tea. He wanted to talk about, about doing my portrait. He might have asked me about that. Oh, it was all to be a surprise, Mother. Eric said it would make me the toast of cafe society. I'd become glamour girl number one of 1944. Oh, my dear. You should have gone skating. Bob Martin is such a fine boy, and, and his solo will be up soon. Mother, I still haven't told you what happened. If you'd rather we left you alone. Oh, no, no, Mr. King, please stay. I beg you to. Well, what has happened, Bunny? When I got to the studio and rang the doorbell... A policeman came out. A policeman? He asked me all sorts of questions because... Because, you see, Eric's been shot. Shot? Through the head. He's dead, Mother. He's dead. Oh, how utterly horrible. The police said there weren't any clues at all. Oh, imagine anybody killing a wonderful man like Eric Plummer. It's ghastly. Ghastly. I want to find the person who killed Eric. I want to make them pay. And that's why I thought maybe Mr. Keene... Yes, Mr. Keene. In a situation like this... You'd know exactly what to do. But if the police are already on the case... Well, one moment, please. Bunny, go over to Mr. LaRue and ask him to announce the rest of the show. All right, Mother. And you, Mr. Keene, would you please step into my office with me? Oh, forgive me, Miss Ella. Oh, it's quite all right, Mary. Here. Here, Mr. Keene. Thank you. Well, my dear? Mr. Keene, Bunny's news did not altogether surprise me. Really? In fact, I know very well who killed Eric Plummer. You do? But first, Mr. King, I've heard you're the cleverest private investigator in this country. Thank you. Do something for me, please. Go to Eric's studio. Examine all the evidence. And when you come back... Yes? I'll tell you who killed Eric Plummer. <laughs> afternoon, Captain Thomas. Oh, well, if it isn't Mr. Keene, your assistant with you, the one and only Mike. Glad to see you both. Good day to yourself, Captain. You're handling the police investigation, Captain? That's right, Mr. Keene. Come in. Thank you. Well, what brings you here, if I may ask? I was with Eric Plummer's fiancée, Mrs. Mary Blaine, when she got word of the shooting. She's very upset, naturally. She asked me to look into it. Do you mind? Not at all, Mr. Keene. It's murder, all right. Has the medical examiner been here yet? We're waiting for him now. If I might look at the body. Certainly. This way, sir. In this room here. Yep. There he is. Just the way we found him. Hmm. He had been sitting by his easel in the center of the room. But there's nothing on the easel, boss. Just an empty frame. Quite right, Mike. We figure there was once a painting there, Mr. Keene, and the person who shot him was being painted. Then ripped it off the frame to avoid identification. Yes. Very possible indeed, Captain. Now then, if I may look at the wound. Right there in the head. <sighs> no powder marks. No. The path of the bullet, it entered just above the right ear at uh, 
the distance of the... What would you say, Captain? Doesn't it seem to you that bullet was fired from 15 feet or more? I leave that kind of guessing to the medical examiner. Hmm. Oh, uh, may I ask why you're staring at the walls now, Mr. King? I was wondering about the proportions of this room. I measured it already. 20 by 20. Oh, thank you. No sign anywhere of the gun that killed him? None. May I ask how you learned about the shooting? Yeah, through a neighbor. The shot resounded pretty loud in the air shaft back of that window there. And the neighbor who heard it? A gal who has the studio in the back. Portuguese gal. Rosa Avalar. She was taking a bath at the time she heard the shot. Quick as she could, she came and knocked on the door here. No answer, so she sent for us. Well, thank you, Captain. I won't trouble you any further. Rosa Avalar. This is her daughter. All right, Mike. Wait for me on the landing below. I'd rather go in alone. Okay, Mr. Miss Avalon? Yes? I'm taking a hand in the investigation of the murder next door. Well, I have already talked to the police. Just one or two questions more. Why not? I want to help as much as I can. This Mr. Plummer was a very kind gentleman. In what way? Oh, he is a painter and I am a painter. But I am a little one, a poor one. He made me many loans of materials. Very generous. As one artist to another, eh? Yes, of course. Well, what I'd like to know is, did you see who entered his studio in the hours before he was shot? No. I am busy painting a flower piece. That one there? Yes. It's lovely. Uh, you like it? Very much. I presume you're working from that vase of roses on the windowsill. Yes, that's right. Hmm. Well, now, after the shooting, did you hear anybody running from the studio? Well, I am not sure. You see, I am taking a bath. With the window closed. I hear a loud noise like a shot, but nothing else. Thank you. Sorry to have troubled you. <laughs> no trouble at all. Well, Mr. Keene? Mike, I'd like you to check something for me right away. Why, sure, sir. While I go back to see Mrs. Blaine, I want you to dig up the landlord of this house and just as routine, check on these points. <laughs> Just a few moments, the scene follows between Mr. Keene and Mary Blaine. Meanwhile, remember, first impressions are usually lasting impressions. People judge you by the way they see you. They decide almost at once whether they want to know you better or not. And one of the greatest factors that influence everyone you meet is your teeth. If your teeth are dull and discolored by surface stains, chances are nine times out of ten that others find you unattractive. That's why I want to tell you about the new Colonel's toothpaste. It's a high-polishing toothpaste. Thousands more people every day are discovering it does wonders in helping to remove from the teeth those dingy-looking surface stains so that the natural sparkle and brilliance is revealed. What's more, Colonel's is delightfully pleasant to use because it leaves your mouth feeling tingling clean and refreshed. For its action is like a jeweler's polish removing tarnish from a piece of silver. So if you want a smile that makes a good impression, that adds to your charm and personality, try the new Colonos toothpaste, a high-polishing toothpaste. Get Colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. 
Colonel's Toothpaste at any drugstore tonight. And now Mr. Keene faces Mary Blaine, Eric Plummer's beautiful and famous fiancée. Here, Mr. Keene, sit down. Thank you, Mrs. Blaine. You went there. You examined the evidence. Yes. I fulfilled my part of the bargain. And now I'll have to fulfill mine. Well, my dear, you said you knew who killed Eric Plummer. I did, Mr. Keene. I killed him. You? I fancied you'd say that. Oh, not because I'm shielding anybody else. Please don't get the conventional idea that my daughter, that Bunny, perhaps... No, no. But if you did it, why did you send me back to look at the evidence? Because... Because I hoped and prayed that perhaps I didn't do it. Oh, I, I know all this sounds mad. Tell me the whole story. The whole story, Mr. King? I've given my best years to fight my way to the top. Now it's just one long nightmare of anxiety to stay there. Men flock around me. Why? For my money, my fame, or for myself. I can never be sure. When I met Eric Plummer, I, I knew he led a rather wild life. But he was a great artist in his own right. And when he told me he loved me, it sounded real for once. Well, I hoped it was real. Yes, my dear. Go on. Lately, he's been painting my portrait. Once I took Bunny to watch. That was a mistake. Eric went to work on Bunny with all his charm. A man old enough to be her father. I want to keep Bunny wholesome and natural, Mr. Keene. I asked Eric again and again to stop turning her head. Today, this morning, I went to sit for him again. And to have it out with him once and for all. I was sitting on the dais, and he was painting. He looked up and laughed. He said... <laughs> well, my dear, you wouldn't be jealous of Bunny now, would you? Don't be silly, Eric. I just want you to leave Bunny alone. <laughs> Such a hackneyed situation, isn't it? The poor man starts by falling in love with the mother, and then suddenly he sees that after all it's the daughter he loves. Eric, you don't love anybody. It's all a game with you. Ah, me. The eternal triangle. He'd taken that tone with me before, Mr. Keene. Laughed at me. This time I was desperate. I wasn't going to let him ruin Bunny's life. I brought along a revolver. I took it from my bag. Eric looked up and said... Mary, you're much too sophisticated for that kind of nonsense. You must promise me never to see Bunny again. <laughs> Eric, I'm serious about this. Believe Don't me. Don't be a fool, my dear. Put it down before you hurt yourself. Can't you hear me? Stop this ridiculous play acting. Put it down, I say. <laughs> you really did it. I didn't think you had it in you. There he lay dead before you, Mrs. Blaine. Mr. Keene, will you believe me? I was... I was horrified. I never really meant to pull that trigger. I only wanted to frighten him. And suddenly... He was... Dead. I suppose I should give myself up to the police. One moment. Before you do anything like that, what has become of the gun? Well, after I ran from the house, my... First thought was to get rid of it. I threw it away. Where? There was a can of cinders standing in front of one of the houses. 
I pushed the gun inside and covered it over. That, my dear, was a great mistake. You went and buried your own best witness. Witness? Yes. To the fact that you never shot Eric Plummer. But I didn't shoot him. No. It was a physical impossibility. Why? Why do you say that? Better answer. Hello? Uh, begging your pardon. May I speak to Mr. Keene? One moment, please. Mr. Keene. Thank you. Hello? Boss, Mr. Keene. Oh, hello, Mike. What did you find out? Boss, you hit it on the nose. Good, Mike. I'm glad. Now, something else for you to do. Yes, sir. Check with the sanitation department at once. Ask what they've done with the cinders they removed this morning from the 3000 block in East 58th Street. Cinders? What I'm really after is a gun. The caliber... 38. 38. Mike, we must have it. Talk of a needle in a haystack. I know you won't fail me, Mike. Okay, sir. So you think I did not kill Eric? Strange, isn't it? I have to get evidence to convince you of your own innocence. But if I didn't, who did, Mr. Keene? That, my dear, is another story, and a rather tragic one. Forgive me if I run along now. Oh, so you are here again, the old gentleman. Yes, I'm afraid I must trouble you again. With more questions? This is a matter of life or death. For whom? A woman, her daughter, other person. Well, what do you want now? Permission to inspect your studio. I want to study the layout. Sorry, I cannot talk to anyone. Mr. Avalon. She slammed the door in my face. <laughs> in anybody's office. Why, Mike, you're all covered with ashes. Like a specter risen from the grave. I've been digging through a mountain of ashes all night. Where? Oh, over on the East Drive. They were there taking it for landfill. Did you find it, Mike? Here you are, boss. Good work. Have a look inside. Mike, I'm going back to Mary Blaine's place at once. your pardon, sir. Are you going in there by any chance to see Mrs. Blaine? Yes, Corporal. You are a Corporal, aren't you? Yes, sir. Bob Martin's my name. My name is Keene. I believe you're a friend of Bunny's. Oh, I'm crazy about her. I came up on this furlough just to see Bunny. She locks herself away from me. Won't come to the phone. Not sophisticated enough for her, I guess. I rather fancy she may soon have her fill of sophistication. Well... I just thought if you saw Bunny around inside there... I'll be glad to tell her you're here. And too bashful to break in. Thank you. Oh, Mr. King. I've been waiting so anxiously ever since you phoned that you were coming. Can we speak somewhere privately? Of course. This door. Mr. King. Hello, Bunny. You have good news for us. Bunny knows everything I, I told her. I don't see how I ever could have thought Eric was glamorous. Well, we found a gun, Mrs. Blaine. Look at it. It's mine. The one I tried to get rid of. Not one of the cartridges has been fired. You are sure? My dear, you couldn't possibly have killed him. And for many reasons. What do you mean? You say Eric Plummer was facing you when you aimed the revolver? Yes, Mr. Keene. But the bullet actually entered from the side of his head. 
side. In fact, judging from the lack of powder marks from the distance at which the fatal bullet was obviously fired, nobody inside that room could have killed him. Why, Mr. Keene? The room is 20 by 20. The plumber sitting in the center at his easel, a person aiming the pistol with arm outstretched, would nowhere have been more than 10 feet from him. But the bullet traveled at least 15 feet. 15? Then where did it come from? Outside the apartment. From a studio just across the narrow air shaft and through the open window of Plummer's studio. And the person who killed him? A young lady, I'm afraid. Also a painter. We learned from the landlord that it was Plummer who engaged the little back studio for her a year ago. Eric did? Yes. And he was supposed to be so madly in love with Mother. For the past three months, her rent hasn't been paid at all. Plummer finally lost interest. The young lady, Miss Avalar, seems quite hot-tempered. Charm. Glamour. And in the end, murder. Come in. Oh, Mr. Keith. Captain Thomas. Your office said I'd find you here. I have a message for you. For me? It was addressed to the old gentleman. We figured out that means you. From, from Rosa Avalar. Yeah. Read it. Old gentleman, you are very wise. You guessed the truth. Now I will save everybody's time by sentencing myself. Rosa Avalar. Oh, she... she committed suicide? Half hour ago, ma'am. I'm sorry about this. Truly sorry. Well, that closes the case. I'll have to get along now and write the police report. Goodbye, Captain Thomas. Mr. King... How can I ever thank you? You were innocent, Mrs. Blaine. I was happy to be able to help you. Eric, everything about him was so mean, so heartless. That reminds me, Bunny. I believe there's a boy, a very bashful one, who's hanging around outside. Oh, not poor Bob. Yes, poor Bob. Boy your own age. With ten times the real glamour of a man like Eric Plummer. Poor dear, he must be furious with me. No, just dying to see you. My dear, whenever you're tempted to see glamour in a man like Eric Plummer, remember that all that glisters is not gold. Often you have heard that told. Gilded tombs do worms in folds. How terribly true. I've realized it for a long time, and now so do I. All right, Bunny. Run along with you and make that poor bashful soldier happy. Mr. Keene concludes the case of the missing witness. Listen next week at the same time as he brings us the baffling and colorful case of the girl who sang too well. Every girl and woman knows that in order to be popular today, one of the most important things she needs is an attractive smile. A smile that reveals clean and sparkling teeth. And to the man in business, teeth that make a good impression are just as important, too. If you're not certain that your own teeth are as attractive as they should be, here's something you will want to know. The new Colonos high-polishing toothpaste does wonders in helping to remove those dingy surface stains. Helps reveal the natural brilliance of your teeth that adds so much to the charm and personality of your smile. I'll tell you why it does this. It's action on teeth is like that of a jeweler's polish on tarnished silver. 
So start using Colonel, a high-polishing toothpaste yourself, right away. You can get Colonel's, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonel's at any drugstore tonight. You've just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8, Eastern Wartime over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old Tracer turns to the case of the girl who sang too well. This is Larry Elliott saying good night for the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste and Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. a wonderful new way to make floors sparkle like new in six to nine minute flat. Use Aero Wax, the self-polishing wax that goes on in a jiffy, dries without rubbing. Its marvelous high luster adds beauty to your rooms, saves countless scrubbing. Yet it costs only 25 cents a full pint. Get Aero Wax, A-E-R-O-W-A-X, tomorrow. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Sparkling, new-looking floor. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In just six to nine minutes. Ladies, that's good news. Use economical, no-rubbing Aerowax. Just apply and it dries to a marvelous high wax luster that makes rooms lovelier, saves frequent scrubbings or polishing. Yet a full pint of Aerowax costs only 25 cents. At hardware, drug, grocery, and ten cent stores. Aerowax, A E R O W A X, will make you proud of your floors. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous oil investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, for bright, sparkling teeth, a million-dollar smile, try the new Colonel's Toothpaste. It's a high-polishing toothpaste that acts like a jeweler's polish, removing tarnish from silver. Safely, speedily, it whisks away dingy surface stains that cloud your smile and reveals the full, natural brilliance of your teeth. Get the new high-polishing Colonel's at any drugstore tonight. Ask for Colonel's Toothpaste, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S.
Lester Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Tonight our story opens in one of the great movie palaces of Broadway, the Palladium, where for three weeks the stage presentation has been a sensational success. Skip Gordon's Review, starring Lola Bennett. As the spotlight cuts across the vast theater to the stage, it falls on a beautiful golden-haired girl, Lola Bennett, singing in the wistful style that has made her a hit overnight. She went over like wildfire. Now the Sky Top wants her. Well, when they sent her the contract, she showed it to me and said... No, Skip. I'm not signing that contract. Oh, don't be crazy, kid. It doubles your pay. Gives you top billing. Skip, you've been just wonderful to me. You taught me how to dress, to carry myself, to really think. I'm not walking out on you. Look, Lola. Here's another contract. Yours and mine. Well... You've torn it up. I'm no jail warden, baby. 
You're heading straight for the top, and I'm not holding you back. Not on your life. Skip, that was very generous of you. Generous, Mr. King? I love Lola. You know I've never told her. Never told her? <laughs> she wouldn't even have looked at me. Oh, but find Lola, Mr. King. That's all I'm asking. Find Lola. Well, the place to start is obviously the Palladium, where she was last seen. That's a famous old house, as I remember. Ah, uh, sure. In the old vaudeville days, we used to talk about making the Palladium. Yeah. <laughs> when you played there, it meant you were good. Still does. And Lola made it with this engagement. Three smash weeks. All right, Skip. Let's go. Mr. Keene, this is the stage doorman, Charlie Barnes. How do you do? Glad to know you, sir. You think you'll find her? I'll do my best. A swell little lady. Incidentally, Charlie, uh, you were on duty last night? Yes, sir, Mr. Keene. You're sure she didn't leave the theater? <laughs> she couldn't have. Not without creating a riot. Why? The place was surrounded with autograph hounds. Oh. Well, now, Skip, uh, if we could have a look in her dressing room. Oh, sure, right this way. I told the house manager to leave it exactly the same as it was last night. Good idea. Uh, thank you, Charlie. I'm glad to oblige you, Mr. King. Well, Skip, I gather your review is staying on at this theater. Yeah, another week. With a replacement for Lola. Uh, here we are now. After you. Uh, thank you. Hmm. The usual dressing room. Chair, dressing table, wardrobe trunk. Yeah, that's right. And telegrams of congratulations. Paste it up on the mirror. Yeah. Sing, Canary, sing. I love you, I love you, I love you. Repeat it two dozen times. Now, the telegrams are mostly from Larry Reeves. Reeves? Yeah. Oh, he's a well-known Broadway playboy, isn't he? Yeah, with more money than is good for him, too, and more wives. Married four times, divorced four times. I gather he wanted Lola for the fifth? Yeah, been making quite a pitch. Even a smart kid like Lola got to believing him. They were almost engaged. Almost? Yeah, he sent Lola a ring last week. Diamond like a headlight. <laughs> Did it burn him when Lola sent it back? Hmm. I suppose this is her costume trunk. That's right. Hey, you don't think... Is there a key around? A uh, key? Uh, there's one on the dressing table. Oh, we'll try it. These are her costumes, Kit. Yeah, some of them. I remember others. Oh? Where, the, where are they? Well, I... I wouldn't know. Oh, Skip. Hey, Skip. Now, that's Tommy Toller, my band leader. Hey, Skip. We start the first show in ten minutes. Yeah, I know. This is Mr. King. How do you do? Oh, how do you do? Oh, yeah. You said you were going to ask him to. Hey, that reminds me. Of what, Tommy? Well, I wanted to mention it before, but I didn't want to talk out of turn. Well, come on. Give, Tommy, will you? You know my goofy saxophone is Terry Forbes. Uh, yeah. Harry's had a crush on Lola for months. Hanging around and pestering her day and night. Well, right after you left the stage last night, Skip, and we started pistol packing Mama, remember? Yeah. Harry signaled me. He whispered he's got to leave the stage. Oh, he looked so crazy. I said, all right. So he slips out behind the drapes. Very interesting. And then I don't see him for 15 minutes. And the funny part about it... What was what so funny about it? Oh, hello, Harry. What was so funny? All right. I'll say it right to your face, Harry. You walked off the stage carrying a gun. We all had guns, phony guns for the pistol packing number. Now, just a minute. Am I to understand you use guns, pistols, as stage props for the performance of the number of pistol packing mama? Yes, Mr. King. 
But the rest of us had our guns on stage. He could have had his loaded. Are you trying to say... If anybody wanted to shoot Lola, that was the time to do it. During all that noise. You skunk. No, your band leader is right, Paul. It was his duty to tell us. Why did you go off the stage? Oh. Because I felt sick. I wanted to take a pill. I told him that. Okay, okay. Okay, nothing. One of these days, you'll have to get yourself a new saxophone. Now, hey, Harry, wait a minute. Now, wait. Never mind, Skip. And thank you, Mr. Tolan, for this information. Oh, I figured I had to tell you, Mr. Keene. That guy's wacky. Well, the curtain's in five minutes. Yeah, I'll be there. Well, Mr. Keene, how does it add up to you? It doesn't, yet. Better get along to your performance, Skip. The performance, yeah. yeah. You'll be sticking around. Right here in the dressing room. Okay. Telegrams. I love you. I love you. I love you. Miss Keene. Yes? I was waiting till the others went away. Who are you? I'm just a dresser around here. Take care of the performer's clothes. Well? Look, uh, this note. She gave it to me last night. She said that if he came again, I was to give it to him. In the excitement last night, I forgot. You better have it. Thank you. Marie! Marie! Quick, put it in your pocket. That's Larry Reed, Mr. Keene. You know, the playboy. Hey, Marie, why didn't you answer when I called? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Reeves. I didn't hear you. Any word yet about Lola? No, Mr. Reeves, nothing. Who's this? Anybody? Can't be. I don't know. Thank you. Gold digger, she's going to run out on me. She's not a gold digger. I, shut up. I won't have you talk that way about her. I know a kind playing hard to get. Come and find me. Well, when I do, I'll wring her little neck. Break every bone in her body. Oh, he's just awful, that Mr. Reeves. Thinks that for money he can have anything. But Miss Bennett's not his kind. What about this note? She said to give it to him if he came around again to bother her. She was expecting last night? Every night. The doorman was told to keep him out, but there's a way of coming through the front of the house, Mr. King. Oh, I see. Uh, don't open that note here, please, sir. Very well. And if Mr. Skip Gordon asks for me, tell him I went back to my office. Have you know, Miss Ellis, I don't make a practice of reading other people's mail. But good heavens, this is a matter of life or death, perhaps. Oh, come on, what does it say? Well, I'll read it. Dear Larry, I've sent back your ring, and that must end it. In my 26 years, i found there is one quality in people that I cannot stand, selfishness. It once cost me a terrible lot, the worst years of my life. If I married you, it would be the same all over again. Well. So it must be goodbye. And please stop threatening. Please? Selfishness. The worst years of my life. What does it mean? Yes, what? As a matter of fact, Miss Ellis, we know almost nothing about Lola Bennett. Skip has known her only six months, and she's never talked of the past. Well, what's the difference? This note points straight to Reeves. And other evidence points to Forbes, the musician. No, I've got to know a whole lot more about that girl. But there's only one way to find out. Mm-hmm. How? You know the uh, weekly newspaper footlights? Oh, sure. The Bible of show business. Well, I'd like Mike Clancy to go back through their files and dig up every single mention that was ever made of Lola Bennett. Right, Mr. Keene. Now, get hold of Mike at once. Two people.
people under suspicion in the disappearance of Lola Bennett. And Mr. Keene goes on with his search. Meanwhile, girls, one thing to blame. Teeth that robbed them of charm when they smile. Thousands of men whose livelihood depends on selling themselves to others have the same weakness of appearance to blame. They don't know it or notice it, but the people they contact do. You may or may not be one of those people, but if you have the slightest suspicion that you are, try the new Colonel's toothpaste, the high-polishing toothpaste. You'll find Colonel's helps remove those dingy, unattractive surface stains from your teeth. Brings out all the natural luster and brilliance that adds so much to your smile. Start using the new Colonel's tonight. Remember, it's a high-polishing toothpaste. You can get Colonel's, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonel's toothpaste, at any drugstore. Now back to Mr. Keene's office and the continuation of the case of the lovely singing star, Lola Bennett. Well, here you are, boss. I got three back numbers of Footlight that mention her. Oh, thanks, Mike. The first goes back about eight years, when she was just a kid. Oh. A review of a portable act that opened in St. Paul. Billy, the song and dance man. The viewer says a strictly mediocre act that may do for the sticks, but will never make the palladium. Now, this paragraph here. Accompanying Billy was a pretty little stooge called Lola Bennett, who had nothing to do but be sung at. Now look at the second paper, Mr. King. Eighty-four years later, from Akron, Ohio. Now the act is called Billy and Lola. About this minor league vaudeville act that premiered here last night, Nothing much can be said for or against the male heart, silly. But the little blonde who shared the bill, Lola Bennett, showed unusual promise. Two of her numbers, sung with refreshing sincerity, brought down the house. Very interesting. Read that third item, boss. It goes back just two years. Now the act is called Lola Bennett and Billy. <laughs> right. One of the most novel fan singers heard in these parts lately opened last night with a star. Voice full of honey and captivating personality. Should go far with the right training. The act was completed by a novelty instrument number from Billy. Different, but was it good? Well, boss, what do you make of it? The old story of show business. The pupil outgrowing the master. Lola made the palladium, but Billy never did. Billy? Oh, everyone. That's your private phone, Bob. Hello. Hello. Keen Company. Keen, this is Harry Forbes. You know the saxophone player? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Forbes. I'm going to talk straight out. I want you to lay off me. But, my dear fellow... Don't try to put Lola's disappearance on me. I have nothing to do with it. How did you ever get my private phone number? From Skip Gordon, and I've warned him, too. Lay off me or else. Or else what? Lay off me, that's all. You hear any of that, Mike? Oh, I did. A maniac. Well, don't you think that he... Well, with the suspicions we got... Oh, never mind. For another reason. Each of these reviews mentions other acts that appeared on the same bill, Mike. I'd like to find some of those other people. It'd take a lot of digging. But it may give us very valuable information. Try the booking agencies, Mike, and the Actors Hotel at once. Okay. I'm on my way. <laughs> Mr. Keene, if somebody remembers me after all these years out of show business. I gather, Mrs. Hall, that you once had a comedy act. Ah, uh, wasn't much, but it made folks laugh. On at least one occasion, you played the same theater with a song and dance man called Billy. Billy? Uh, oh, 
sure. Kind of a sour puss. Why do you say that? Oh, I had his heart set on getting to Broadway. Wasn't good enough. What was his surname, Mrs. Hall? Surname? Oh, Billy, that, that's all he was ever called. Hmm. You remember his partner? Oh, sure. Lola Bennett. He hired her in St. Paul after his regular partner walked out on him. But what's become of Billy? Billy? Oh, well, I couldn't tell you. Yes, Major Tiny? I'm looking for an old performer called Billy. I remember him, Mr. Keene. My midget act proved all over Canada with him one winter in a unit show. Really? My, but what his wife had to put up with. Wife, did you say? Yes, Lola Bennett. Oh, they were married. Two years by then, but they weren't happy. Billy was so jealous. Of the fact that she was becoming more successful than he? That's right, Mr. Keene. He took to drink. Actually beat her up one night. I tried to stop him. Oh? He threatened to walk on me. Oh, a bad character. What was his surname? I never knew. Would you have a photograph of him? No, sir. Thank you. Still one more chance. Sure, I know, Mr. King. When I was hopping on the Jackson circuit, you see, I used to do a soft shoe number like this. Charming, Mr. Foley, charming. Yeah, but strictly past day. I'm working up a new routine now like this. Uh, if I may be so rude, Mr. Foley. Yes? How were they getting on when you knew them? Oh, terrible. You see, the booking agents were thumbs down on him. Why? Well, they said he grabbed the act. The ball and chain. The guy tried everything. He even worked up a, a novelty, a solo, and a song on five different instruments. You know, one after the other. Mm. Still no soap. But Lola stuck by him. Much good it did her. Guy was a maniac. Talking crazy all the time about making a palladium. Hitting Broadway. Well, it got so bad, she finally had to divorce him. I see. By the way, what instruments did he play in that novelty number? Mm, clarinet, fiddle. The saxophone, too? Yeah. Saxophone, all right. Yeah, that was his best. Would you by any chance have a photograph of him? A photo? Let's see. Uh, for Winston Buffalo. Yes. We all gave a hospital benefit, and the newspapers took photos. Could you find that photograph? Well, now if I dig around in my press book, I, I might. Let's have a look. Keen Company. This is Skip Gordon, Mr. Keene. Oh, good morning, Skip. I haven't heard from you in days. Any news, Mr. Keene? There may be tonight. I can reach you at the Palladium still? Yeah, and we're on for the rest of this week. You know, I got some news for you. Really? Harry Forbes, the saxophone player, walked out of the band last night. We can't locate him. Hmm. That puts the finger on him, I guess. It would certainly look like that. If he's the guy, if he's harmed Lola in any way. Well, Skip, uh, to be perfectly frank, I'm afraid somebody has harmed her. Keen. Who? How? I'll probably have the answer for you tonight. Meanwhile, I must use the phone for a very important call. Okay. See you tonight.
Hello? Guy Tupclaw. Good. I'd like very much to talk to your manager. Good evening, Charlie. Uh, good evening, Mr. Keene. Any luck yet locating Lola Bennett, Mr. Keene? Yes and no. I don't get it. In a few minutes, a package may arrive here at the Palladium for me. Ask the delivery man to wait before bringing it in. I want to talk to him. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, where's Mr. Skip Gordon? On stage, introducing a number. By the way, Charlie, the uh, night that Miss Bennett disappeared, was anything moved out of here? No, sir. Uh, but something came in. Uh, some props for our next stage show. I see. Well, uh, Mr. Gordon should be coming off the wings any minute now. New singer? Yeah, replacing Miss Bennett. But not half as good. Oh, I see Mr. Gordon there now. Hello, Mr. Keene. Hello, Skip. Well, what's the word? Skip, you may have to brace yourself for really bad news. Dead, huh? Dead. Yes, I'm afraid so. The final sacrifice to a very selfish man. Cold. Forbes? Reeves? I'll kill whoever it was. Steady, Skip. We'll see that justice is done. Lola was such a swell kid. Time for you to go on stage again, eh? Yeah. Yeah, the show goes on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your master ceremony again. About to introduce the rip snorting arrangements of the hits of the season. Pistol Pack and Mama. Oh, Mr. Keene. Yes, Charlie, I'm coming. Uh, the delivery man came. He's waiting for you. Good, Charlie. I'll walk back with you. If you want any help bringing it in, I... Uh, all that noise. Come, let's find a quiet place. Go into this dressing room. No. No. This... This was Miss Bennett. You don't believe in ghosts, Charlie. Why, what do you mean? Charlie, look at this wardrobe trunk. With Miss Bennett's costume. Oh, what about it? She really had two trunks. Two? And when the express company came that night to deliver a certain stop, somebody ordered one of the trunks taken away. Where to? The address was already labeled on, just as on this one. It was sent to the next place where Miss Bennett was engaged to sing, the Sky Top Club. Who? Who was responsible for that? It's no mystery to me any longer. A very jealous man. A uh, former husband. I think it was you. You stay here. I'm staying nowhere. Oh, yes, you are. I'm going out now to have the delivery man bring in that package for me. Listen, Keen, I'm not staying. You're going to watch me open Miss Bennett's second trunk. The one that went to the Skytop Club. I'm having it brought in. I'm watching nothing. We'll open the trunk right here in a dressing room. And just between ourselves, there are police stationed at every exit. The killer will never get out of this theater. You... You found her in the trunk? Let me out of here. I... No, you're staying right here. I'm locking you in this festival. Mr. King. Mr. King. Oh, hello, Skip. I came off for a breather while the band is playing. What's up? Skip, my boy. It's too bad that Lola didn't meet somebody like you years ago. Unfortunately, the man she did once marry was insanely jealous and possessive. He couldn't bear to see her succeed where he had failed. He tried her best to help him, but... Well, I, I'd like you to know this much, Skip. She loved you for your generosity. 
He valued you about anybody in the world. But, but who killed her? Who was the man? A man she ran into again the moment she reached this theater three weeks ago. Those pistol shots. Didn't you notice something peculiar then, Skip? Hey, what do you mean? One shot was nearer than any of the others. Jeepers. Creepers, you mean? It came from this dressing room. Quick, get that door open. Doorman. He shot himself. It is a doornail. Mr. Keene, was he the guy? Yes. Her former husband. And that's the way he killed Lola that night. He fired the pistol during the van number. Charlie. A doorman. An old and disappointed performer. He made the palladium with the most tragic performance of his life. <laughs> And so ends the case of the girl who sang too well. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us another of his baffling cases, The Man Who Didn't Come Home. Today the girl or woman who wants to be popular knows that one of her most important assets is a charming smile and teeth that sparkle and gleam knows that no matter how smartly she may dress or make up, teeth that are dingy and discolored looking instantly create an unfavorable impression. And the same is true of the man in business, whose very livelihood depends on selling himself. He knows how quickly discolored looking teeth can bring failure. That's why today thousands of smart and successful men and women are changing to the new Colonos high-polishing toothpaste. Go so for your own sake. Try the new Colonos toothpaste yourself. It works like a jeweler's polish on tarnished silver, dulled, revealing the natural brilliance and sparkle of your teeth. Ask for Colonel's toothpaste, K-O-L-Y-N-O-X, at your drugstore tonight. You've just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old tracer turns to the case of the man who didn't come home. This is Larry Elliott saying goodnight for the makers of Colin O'Toolface and Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. <laughs> No-rubbing Aero-Wax gives you beautifully waxed, shining floors in six to nine minutes flat, and at the cost of only a deal. Just apply Aero-Wax, it dries to a marvelous luster, cuts out two-thirds of your scrubbing. A full fine costs only 25 cents. Get Aero-Wax, A-E-R-O-W-A-X, tomorrow. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.